Welcome to the Bifocal Podcast with John White and Jason Himmelstein, where we talk about business intelligence and the Microsoft stack with news, interviews, and expert opinions from around the space. This is episode 139, recorded on March 26, 2020, where John and Jason talked to Rob Foster, Senior Manager at Deloitte and Office Apps and Services MVP, about his video on the COVID-19 data that inspired the new series on the Bifocal YouTube channel. Good afternoon, Jason. How are you doing now, John? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, uh, I haven't uh, gone anywhere since the last time we talked. No, I pretty much haven't left uh, well, my house. Yep. I've left the room, thank yeah, goodness. That's a good thing. Yeah, but... Uh, Otherwise, there'd be a bucket in the corner and nobody needs that. But uh, we're, uh, oh, we're off to a good we, start. Been, I'm telling you, nothing like a good poop joke to start <laughs> off the episode. Yeah, it's finally nice out here. We had a couple days of rain, and uh, I think it's helping because the kids are outside. That's a good thing. I needed them to go away for a little while, and that's about as far as they're allowed to go. <laughs> so, Fair enough. You know. But we've been doing a lot of work together over the past couple of days. We have. It's been a lot of fun. We have. I'm, uh, I'm surprised you're not sick of me. No, not at all. I have started nick- giving you a nickname, which is really weird. We're not going to go no, into that, no, though. But no. we have the reason for that. Uh, the guy who prompted us to do a whole bunch of work together. This is true. That we invited to join us uh, as a guest on the show today. So, Mr. Foster, would you mind introducing yourself to our audience? So, I, first of all, I want to start off by saying that if Spencer Harbor is listening to this, oh. that I influence somebody to work is a major thing and I don't know that so you said I did not say it yeah. oh he's not I, listening I, I, no I can guarantee you Spencer is not listening to our podcast so. <laughs> well somebody tell him somebody tell him. yeah hey guys um, for having me on it's, it's a real honor to be here big fan you know so I, I think what you guys are doing is, is amazing work with uh, the show my name is Rob Foster and I am a co-host of a uh, podcast called Tech Explaining. we've been going for a couple of years now as well and we don't have as many episodes as you do but we tend to release like netflix style so we'll record a bunch and then i'll not get them pushed out then i'll just push out like a season <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah man so this topic we're, we're going to discuss here well first of all what i do professionally i do have a day job and it's turned into a day job and a night job and a weekend job i don't even know what day <laughs> it is or what time it is anymore with the so many people working from home so I'm a senior manager at a company called Deloitte, and I support about uh, about 400,000 users across the firm on tools that involve collaboration. So things like Teams and SharePoint and OneDrive and other non-Microsofty tools as well. But but those are the main ones, right? And so we had about uh, until this thing happened. I mean, we were running about maybe 150,000 people or so that were active on using Teams, OneDrive, and SharePoint. And then this pandemic hit, right? And then we started seeing hundreds of thousands of people working from home at one time. And nobody ever tested. It was just a crazy idea to say, hey, man, what if everybody worked from home? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever, because it's just not, it wasn't a remote possibility. So what we, I want to say we haven't been scrambling, uh, which is really surprising. Yeah. I mean, we, we, I've been working from home for about 10 years now and it's now it does take some discipline. And I think I'm seeing a lot of posts out there with people that are freaking out and, you know, things like, how do you get up and go to the bathroom without, you know, with back-to-back calls and, you know, people taking their laptop around with them when they, when they walk around the house. And I'm like, no, you need to treat your laptop like it's a desktop and keep it where it's at. And, you know, so we're, we're helping a lot of people with basic work from home skills, but 
The great news is that the technology works and it works well. And we're able to not only deliver a tool that works and allows our people to not only collaborate, but stay connected with each other, with their teams, with our customers in ways that we never have. We always envisioned as it happening on small scale, but on a very large scale, it's happening and it's happening really quickly. And it's just so amazing that we are in a point now. I mean, I think this disease or this, this pandemic happened at the right place at the right time because the technology that we have available mm. to us is currently facilitating a lot of us not being able to get sick, right? Being able to work from home, being able to do this. So, I mean, for me to see that is phenomenal that, that we, it's bad, it's bad for the world, but we are in a time in the world to where it couldn't have happened at a better time right, to where we do have the technology available to keep a lot of us safe. I've been preaching the gospel of working from home to anybody who will listen, and there's not many that do. For, for, <laughs> you, know, you mentioned 10 years. I've been working at home since 2006. One way, I was a B-pause user, right? And I did, there's just so many benefits. To, it's obviously not for everybody, and not everybody can do it. But I think far too few do it that could. And I think this thing might be a catalyst for some change there. People realizing that there is work getting done. We don't have to clog up our highways every bloody morning. And, you know, people worry about cars idling for more than 15 seconds, but they don't worry about the, you know, the, the parking lot on the freeway, right? The loss in time, the quality of life that you get back when you don't have to worry about sitting in traffic, the risk of accidents, you know, all that stuff. You know, I, I see a lot of, I, I see some people kind of complaining because there, there's still a, a, not a lot of trust out in the world. Yeah. And, and I see a lot of people complaining. And I think what we're going to see is shift. Like one of my Facebook friends, and yeah, I guess she kind of lives in the next neighborhood over from me, has to submit a report every day showing how she spent every hour <sighs> of the day with her boss and stuff. And, and I mean, I guess that's cool. I mean, whatever. But I think we're going to see a shift probably happen within weeks, not months Agreed. or years, is that... People are going to realize that, A, I can trust my people to get their job done, and B, getting your job, where you get your job done is less important than the job you're actually doing, well, yeah. right? Yeah, and and so that's a key shift that is going it, to, it's happening right now on mass scale, but, and we'll start to see those dominoes fall. To me, that's lousy management, right? Worrying about the time that was taken on something or what you were doing or where you were, well, shouldn't you be focused on what you did? I mean, isn't the outcome the most important thing here? And don't you need tools to measure that instead of a clock? I mean, really? Sorry, so I'll get couple, off my, a couple my, of. <laughs> I'm with you, brother. I'm with yeah. you. A <laughs> couple of thoughts and, and points on it. You know, I've I've always purported. I've been a work from home person for more than ten years as well. I've always purported that you get more out of me mm. when I'm not sitting in the car for an hour each direction mm -hmm. because I'm willing to put that extra time in getting to my desk and spending the extra time. So I heard a stat that came out of a, a large software development company that some productivity is down about thirty percent. Well. If I'm not having to drive to an office, you're getting potentially 20% more out of me to begin with than you were before because you're getting more time. Just thoughts, you know. Well, and, but that productivity down 30%, that's in the first week. And when no, everybody's no spinning there, up on all this stuff, right? It takes De it definitely takes yeah. time. I want to give a couple of other interesting data points. The world's changed dramatically. A week ago today, we lost my grandmother. And, you know, being Jewish, we try and bury our dead within the first 24 hours, right? A lot of things came into play with how does that happen? How do you bury someone when that person died in a different place from where they're being buried? 
the family trying to come together. How do you deal with that when you have a moratorium on any any group larger than 10 getting together? And in the Jewish faith, 10 is the, a really important number. We have to have 10 people to make what's called a minion, which is how you are allowed to, you have to have 10 people in order to say specifically prayers to mourn the dead. So all of these things came in to play really fast. How do we deal with all of that? What do we, how can we get together? How can we do, how do we honor someone who, you know, passed after 93 years that we all loved so much. It was a heartbreaking thing to make the decision. I'm not getting on an airplane to go to my grandmother's funeral. I have to keep my family safe, not only me, but my older generation family who insisted on going. I have young kids. What if we had been exposed? We were at the Houston rodeo when they shut it down. What happens if, you know, so we've been isolating ourselves, but still getting on that airplane, you could. So all of these conversations, sitting down talking with rabbis, what do you do in those situations? situations, we ended up using not Microsoft Teams, but Zoom in order to be able to be a part of the funeral. Somebody had their phone out and was able to Zoom us into the funeral. We were able to do what's called a Shiva Minion that night where we had 30 people on Zoom and we were able to be together and we were all together. So we were able to pray. We were able to say those prayers for mourning. We've been doing that every night as my just my family, you know, there are 12 or 14 of us get on and I've been leading a prayer service for the family to be able to do. But it's a dynamic shift of those fundamental things in our world, attending a funeral, have to be shifted so dramatically working world is a secondary to that with all of this other stuff. So it's an interesting, different kind of a thing that I've had to deal with in the past week. And, uh, you know, so this distraction of helping to build this Power BI model that we're going to talk about and some of these videos that we're going to dive into in just a minute have been really helpful. The other important thing that's been going on in my personal world, I'm going to take my own moment yeah. here, is uh, I actually took a job. So I started on Monday. I did... Remote orientation. It was the second class that had ever been done remotely for a company that usually flies everybody in from around the world to fly into Atlanta to sit down for three days and do an in-person orientation. It was really cool being get, being able to be a part of that and help people as they were struggling through it because I actually knew the tools and we were able to do stuff. But that was a really unique experience. The company spun up so quickly to do all of that. Some interesting things, you know, Rob, you said that they your your neighbor had to record every hour for continuing education credits, which orientation counted towards. We had to be on camera the entire time, and they had somebody in there taking notes as to when we took our camera off or when we left the room because it counts towards uh, continuing education credits. So, and John, I see you, you're, you're angling towards what job did I take? I could see you angling there. I actually took a job with uh, Ernst & Young as a senior manager, and big thanks to you, Rob. Uh, you know, you were a huge help with me talking through some of the stuff because going to work for a big four is a totally different thing than what I've ever done before. I got so, think so. Uh, yeah, but I'm going to be in the, the, uh, you know, financial services tax organization doing tax technology and transformation work. And I already have been spinning up playing with some of the Power BI stuff that we have over there. So really exciting. I get to take my uh, career in a new direction that's still very familiar. So well, congratulations, man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And with that, that, no, that is fantastic. And you're going to really dig the big four life. It's it's something that gets in your bloodstream. And, and like I left Deloitte for Gosh, I guess it's about six years ago now. I left for about four months and was beating the door down to come back in. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, civilian life was not for me. (laughs) I'm I'm excited. It's definitely a drinking from the fire hose kind of a thing, but it's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it. With that, let's take a pause. We're going to do a sponsor break, and then we're going to dive into uh, why we're, we're here talking on the Bifocal Show about this stuff. This episode of the Bifocal Podcast is sponsored by Tygraph, the award-winning reporting and analytics platform for Office 365. Get the full picture of your Office 365 network by using Tygraph. See how customers leverage its actionable insights to better understand their organization's usage, collaboration, and adoption patterns. Try Tygraph today. Sign up for a free trial at tygraph.com. All right. So we talked about this, I think, on the last podcast episode. We may have mentioned the fact that Rob had put out a video about using Power BI to map the COVID data. So, Rob, if you wouldn't mind, talk to us a little bit about what inspired you to do all of this and, and all of that. Well, you know, for years, I've sat in you guys' uh, sessions and watched you guys do Orange Theory data for, for years. <laughs> Jason does Orange Theory. I'm not part of the guilty. <laughs> And, and so, so I got to looking at the, the Johns Hopkins dashboard and, and my, my oldest is, is 15, he's soon to be 16. And he's really, he dived into the, to the numbers and the, the graphs and was really fascinated by how visualizations could be created by, based on this stuff that they were, all these numbers that they were putting together. And I was like, I got to looking at it. I was like, I could do that in Power BI. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm certain if I could just find the data and I got to scrolling around on the page and found there's a link for where they published the data. <laughs> and so I, I was like, huh. And I pulled the data down and I was like, oh, wow, I, I, can, I can do this. So one of the things I wanted to do as what really inspired the video was I wanted to use data that was applicable to every person on earth, right? Right now, th- that data is all of us. Mm-hmm. It's you, it's me. It's people in other countries. It's people on other sides of the world, right? Is is all of that, and I wanted to. I did it more of, of more of a. It was more of a comfort thing for me because I was trying to understand what was happening in the world around me, and I wanted to visualize that, and then not only visualize that, but also give people potentially a new a new skill with data that was meaningful to them, right? And it really inspiring people to go out and learn how to visualize data and, and all of that. And what I did was on a very, very simple scale, you know, compared to what, what you guys have done since then. And that was really kind of, it was just a point of venting for me, really, to, to be able to, to understand or, or to understand, help figure out what was happening around me. And it's shockingly taken off. And I, I did run it by, John, I don't know if you know this, but I did run it by Jason because <laughs> I did not want on your toes, you know, by, by doing a video like that. No such um, thing. But 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 I, I did want to. I felt that just as a as a creative person and somebody who was trying to understand the world around me, um, it helped me get that that piece out and publish content that I'm hoping if one person took that and is able to understand things around them then I've done what I need to do. And it just really was more of a sense of venting and, and creative. When I get stressed, I create. That's cool. And, you know, I'm a musician and I love to, to write songs and play guitar. And this was just one of those creative avenues for me, uh, for that. And, and it looks like you guys have, have taken that as inspiration yeah. and created hopefully a series around it. And I think, I'm, I'm hoping that this data will inspire your Power BI demos from 
here on out. Well, it's, it's, as you mentioned, it's meaningful data. And it, that's, that's what you, when you're looking for stuff to demonstrate these tools, nobody wants to see, frankly, nobody wants to see AdventureWorks and Contoso and they, you know, real data that they can relate to. I like to use, well, we, we use all kinds of different stuff. You know, I, I like to use shark attacks because everybody knows what a shark looks like, but it's got to be public data and it has to be meaningful. Well, how much more meaningful could the data be right now, especially than this stuff? So yeah, it's going to, I think it's going to form a number of our demos in our, um, in our tutorials and our sessions. It's going to replace some ones that might be getting a little tired as well. So we'll see. Well, I tell you what though. I mean, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but the more I dove into this data, the deeper I went, the more stressed I became. Oh, really? Right. It did. It did. I mean, so, so I, just as a warning to people that dive into this. When you start going too deep and you start feeling stressed, walk away. Because, I mean, if you really start to interpret this and see the bell curves that are happening yeah. around the world and wherever you're in, whatever country you're in right now, like the U.S., we haven't, at this point uh, time of recording, I don't believe we've hit the top of that curve. I yet. don't know you if you know what direction that thing's going yet. That's yeah. right. That's right. And so that's a point of stress for me. Yeah. I'm in South Korea. You know, I feel like they've kind of hopped over that curve, right? And it's, it's come way down. Even Italy, like right now we're on the or the 26th of March. And it looks like Italy's coming down the other side of the bell curve down. So that's good. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so it could, it, it, all I'm saying is that knowledge is power, but also knowledge is terrifying mm. <laughs> for this, right? So it's great, but it's just, it, it really got to where, I mean, it was in, interrupting my sleep. But at least you're able to know what is, not what might be. That's, I think, the important part about data. What's the quote uh, you, you said, uh, uh, the slides is, uh, without data, you're just another person with an opinion. That's kind of that yes. idea. You know, fear can run supreme. If you know what the numbers are, I mean, they can look bad, but you at least, you know, don't have to worry about the superstitious part of it or what people are saying or, and, you know, don't have to listen to us, our armchair quarterbacks on this whole thing. You know, it speaks volumes, but those volumes may or may not be the thing you want to hear. You know, and it, it's, it's different. I, and I, I had a conversation with somebody on Facebook about it, you know, about the actual numbers and they are still, this person, particular person was still thinking what we were talking about was statistics. So he sent me a link of a hundred a book that was like 101 ways to lie with statistics or some, some stupid thing. I was like, no, dude, this is actual numbers. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is like, it's hard to argue with the count. Yeah. You know, it's this statistics or any kind of, you know, spin or political blah, blah, blah. This is actual numbers. And I think that's, that's what that you have to really look at is, is this is real data. It's real. It's not a spin. It's just, here are the numbers interpretable. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we should mention, I mean, what you did with your video is show how to drill into one of those days. And because this, this data is being recorded on a day by day basis with totals. So as of this date, Italy has had this many. South Korea, the U.S. has had this many cases. It's had this many recoveries. It's had this many deaths. And, you know, when Jason first said, you see what Rob did? We should do something. We should do something like that and punt on it. I'm like, oh, he's kind of done it already, hasn't he? But no, we wanted to show a time series and it actually exposed some difficulties. And again, from a demonstration standpoint, and where I'm going to is the, we'll be posting the URL for a couple of videos in the, in the show notes for the show. But yeah. we walked through the process of prepping this data from, because it was Johns Hopkins data. And you basically said, it's on GitHub. Okay, cool. So they're posting data on a daily basis in CSV files. So this is a pretty common use case. And also another common use case is they're kind of arbitrary the way they report names of countries and the way the 
one reporter may use uh, South Korea and the other Korea comma South and another one is Republic of. So you have to do, you know, there's a lot of cleansing. They've changed their schema three different times now. Power BI can handle all that stuff. So we basically hit a lot of those snags and people will be able to see it. But we walk through one, the first video is preparing the data and the next one is uh, charting it. But the bottom line was how do we get that data that's reported as a total on every day and show kind of the series across time so we can start to see the trending. That was kind of the value we were hoping to add to this whole process. And to give you a primer for the video, it was an interesting discussion that we had to have about what to do because, you know, there's a GitHub connector in Power BI. We're like, really? Let's just go pull that. And then the problem is that the GitHub connector is for administration of GitHub and pulling metrics about your GitHub repo, not for connecting to your data. So we couldn't use that. So as I started to look into it a little bit deeper, realized I have GitHub desktop. So I went ahead and said, "Ah, let me just go grab all the data. It's all CSVs. So I sucked it all down to a local repository. And then as we were looking at it, I went, there's no way to go and, you know, we, we like the SharePoint folder connector because you can go point at a SharePoint you know, site, and it pulls in all the files in the site out of all the document libraries. And you can trim down and just pull in the the ones that you want. And as we looked at it, we're like, that would be really cool, but we have to get SharePoint. And well, I have the OneDrive for Business Sync client on my local system. So I went out, created a SharePoint document library, synced that to my local system, repointed the GitHub repo to that. So when it comes and pulls out of the GitHub repo, it puts it into a local folder that gets synced out to SharePoint. And now I have all that stuff singing SharePoint. So that's what we were able to do. And then John said, but Jason, now you have to go hit refresh every time you want to do this. And not being, neither of us are developers, so neither one of us realized that you can do that through the command line and Git. Uh, So we figured out how to do that, wrote some PowerShell, and pumped that into a Windows schedule task. And so now all of it's automated. And now that we've published the model, it's actually refreshed we get the data at 6.59 p.m. Central Time every day from the GitHub repo. It gets published there. So at 7.15, I go off and pull the data. It gets synced out to OneDrive. And at 8 p.m., it actually goes off. And we have a scheduled uh, refresh going on up in Power BI. So it's a neat little walkthrough of how you could do all of those things. And then how do you prep the data? Because as John mentioned, man, this data is not clean. <laughs> One file, that's nice, but as you look at it and you go across from January 22nd, which is when they started publishing this data, through the 23rd of March, the schemas were pretty much the same, and on the 23rd of March, they drastically changed the schema. So Rob, if you haven't gone off and looked at the single file version, you now get by city, some of it only for the US. By county, only for the US. Only for the US, but yeah. it's a really nice map visual, like we were talking about that fill ago. map and everything. Really cool stuff, but it's totally screwed up everything we had built. And we had plotted it out our path of what we were going to do in the video the night before, came in the next morning, and everything was destroyed. <laughs> so we, but within about half an yeah. hour because of power query we were able to fix all of those things and what we did in the video actually shows how do you deal with two different schemas and what do you do in order to pull those types of things in so that was a lot of fun to play with it really does show the power of this tool right because oftentimes people think of power bi as just the drafting tool not the data massage tool mm-hmm. right and, and right and you know what i'm saying and and, and i think that that is such a powerful feature that you guys are highlighting that that Power BI does that 
not a lot of people know how to do or know that it can do it, but it's not that difficult. What you did and the way you're going to show it is, is not rocket science. You don't have to be a coder or a developer. No, That's right. Knowledge of data, knowledge of data and things like that, you, you know, helps. But it's, you don't have to know C Sharp. You don't have to deploy to Azure. It's all within the tool. And I think that's just an amazing, amazing set of features that, that's, that opens the door for so many different things. So did I start from those CSVs and you end up with a publicly available report that people can drill around in. I found it useful because I wanted to do some of the analyses on a country level because the Hopkins stuff, you can select a country and you can see uh, maybe the, the, the new cases for that country. But you can't do country over country in, uh, comparisons and you can't see, you only see new cases. I want, frankly, I want to look at as more of it as it sounds. I want to look at the death numbers because you don't need to get tested to, for those numbers, right? We know that those people were died of that disease. So that really tells us something about the trends of that disease. But that's not something you can see on the Hopkins chart either. So I had, we had to build that for, in Power BI. And so it's, a, you know, it's only, it's sliceable by date and sliceable by country. You can use the control or the shift. I can't remember which, but to select multiple countries and see how they stack up. But that's, you know, it's control. It's control. Just, Thank I, you. Yeah. I never remember. I did it I just, just to make it. sure. No, it's okay. <laughs> I never memorized anything in school. <laughs> so, but it, it just let me do some of that stuff. And, and yeah, some of those numbers can, can be anxiety inducing. But if you can separate some of the noise out and see what those trends are in isolated cases, you can say, ah, okay, here are the patterns. Here's maybe where we are in that pattern. Here's what I can expect. And I think some of the fear in this whole thing isn't so much about the disease itself, although for many, I'm sure it is, but it's how long is this situation going to be or how far out? I'm okay once we decide it's going to be X amount of time. Doesn't really matter. Whatever's going to work. But it would be nice to know at least a checkpoint. You know, we're going to double check. You can expect at least this long. Okay, I'm not going. Is it, is it there yet? Is it there yet? Right. So it gives us some kind of confidence around that, I think. The interesting thing with this data for me was as I started to look at it, and John, you're a graphical guy. I wanted to see the numbers side by side. Mm -hmm. So yeah. as you take a look at the published report that we have in the videos, it's page number two is the report that we did in the video. But page number one is the is what you've put mm -hmm. together that allows you to slice on that country. You can see daily cases, daily mortality, and daily recoveries at the bottom. Then you, you get to see that cumulative case uh, day by day going uh, on the left-hand side. It's really interesting stuff as we start to take a look at it. Chart number two is what we did in the video. So go watch the videos and you'll see all that. And then chart number, you know, uh, report pages number three and four were, were the American centric Jason being selfish published my own thing I cared about. And uh, this actually, Rob, you and I were talking this late one night. We laid out this data side by side and it's interesting to be able to see, you know, we use China. Everybody talks about China as the baseline, you know, here, because that's where it started and all of these things and trying to understand how we map across. And so as Rob and I were talking that night, I started to look at it and I saw in the data sort of the number 500 cases was where you started to see the curve mm -hmm. begin and where you started to see that. So what you're seeing in charts three and four reports, three and four here are a side-by-side -side comparison between China and the U S starting with that when you hit 500 number, because it started in China on January 22nd, but in the U.S. that was March 8th. So being able to see that and see the trend, and for a little while we were doing well, 
And then we sort of flipped over on the 21st. And it, uh, it gets really uh, interesting and kind of scary as we're starting to see the numbers on uh, March 21st. The death number was only 307. Uh, yesterday being March 25th, it's 942. So, and in China, that was lower. It's an interesting thing to just be able to go in and take a look. And the fourth report page there is Italy, because I keep hearing that it, we're mapping towards Italy a little bit closer. And I'm still skeptical on that. You know, what you notice in the data, and John, you pointed out to me the other day, Italy has the oldest population of any country in the world. So we're seeing mortality rates really high in Italy, where they're not quite as high here in the U.S. And again, using that 500 number of confirmed cases, which just one last point, and then I'll let you talk, John. It's important to know that the Johns Hopkins data is presumptive positives as well, which means that a doctor has reported someone as being infected, even though they may not have been tested. Yeah, and I, I was just I was just going to underscore that mar- the mortality rate for Italy, if you look at it, is ten percent. Now that's measured as the number of deaths over the number of cases as as reported. It's not because obviously there's many that haven't been reported, etc. It's not the the epidemiological. I'm not a doctor, although my son is. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a dog. I, I can't report that. But that's just from a pure numbers standpoint. That's what we're looking at. And it's highest in Italy of anywhere I've seen. Just interesting data points that the data sets out here. And I don't know, John, if we're going to put the uh, the PBX file into a GitHub repo for people to play with or not. We really haven't talked about it. I think that might muck with, you know, there's a lot of stuff we had to do to make this work. But if you follow the pattern that we showed yeah. in the videos, you can build it yourself. Yeah. So I've gotten some questions. Hey, are you going to share the PBX file? I, I don't think we should because there's a lot of stuff there that there's some funky we'll, we'll talk stuff. about it yeah. offline. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's kind of difficult, and we keep having to update it. So we'll, we'll see. We'll be demoing. There's some advanced stuff in there, basically just to deal with the schema changes that that came up. We basically dropped a bunch of things from the from the stuff we had to record, but we got into the detail of it in in, in the actual published one. Doing that day over day analysis is 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 a bit tricky. I think. It's going to be fuel for some of our um, some of our sessions or some of our tutorials anyway, because there's some good techniques in it. Hopefully, honestly, I don't think you should publish it. I mean, I think I think people that are interested enough should go out there and have to learn it. Because yeah, true. If you can understand this and you can do this, it opens the world up. Yeah, that's true. To what you can do in your company. That's true. Right. Yeah. I mean, it changes the ball game and. I would say if they had something they can just kind of click around that you guys that you guys have, that defeats the purpose because the whole purpose is learning this thing, right? Yep. And, and I think that's um, I would say don't publish it. Yeah, fair enough. Then we got we got we got right. the instructions and we can answer questions. How's that? That, that makes. Yeah. <laughs> Are you drowning in spreadsheets? Are you gasping for a better reporting solution? Let Marquee Insights throw you a lifeline. They can help you chart a course to success with Power BI, then get underway quickly with one of their quick start solutions while learning the ropes from their experienced staff. If you're ready for reporting bliss, go to MarqueeInsights.com and click the Get Started button and learn how they can help you make better, faster decisions with smarter data. I will say, I think it's a, a decent learning path 
for anyone out there to take and start with Rob's video yeah. and walk it through, understand how to deal with things in a single file, and then move on to our first video, which is the uh, data prep video, and then go into the charting video from there. It's a good, quick, easy walkthrough with data that you can go out and get yourself and work with. It makes it very interesting and something that you can do. You don't have to use the GitHub mechanism, by the way. You can download all that stuff from GitHub and then just go copy it one time into a document library. And highly recommend if you're going to do that, take the data from March 23rd on and either use that or take the data from before March 23rd back. Yeah. One or the other, <laughs> just my my tip and trick for the day. But I know uh, we, we've got to let Rob get back to saving the world <laughs> uh, for his company, and uh, and I've got to get back to work as well, John. Well, I just wanted to ch- chime in. Uh, we'll have those URLs in our in the show notes uh, on the site. But if you're just listening to this and you wanted to get out there, they're available at link.bifocal.show. All of them start with that. And a forward slash for Rob's video, it's Foster. 16 min, that's Foster 16 min. And our two videos are slash COVID data prep and COVID charting. That's that's all one word, all lowercase. Pretty simple. There you go. Or you can check the show notes yep. or in each of the YouTube videos, hopefully we'll have links yep. to all three videos. Rob, I don't know if you're uh, able to do that on yours, but we've linked yours in there. So definitely go out, watch the videos and... Uh, that's all I got, boys. Oh, th- hey, I think we're thanks, good. guys, for having me on. It's 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 been thanks an honor. It's always I love catching up with you guys at, at events and and uh, summit and and all of that stuff. And I sad I couldn't see you in person, yeah. but it's it's been amazing to to see you guys on the show and and be a be a guest of uh, you know guest speaker here. So thank you so much for having. Thanks, me. it's our pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us and kicking us in the butt. <laughs> yeah. One last plug for tech explaining. Uh, yeah. If you're not listening to it, get out there and listen. It's a great podcast, and you're on there with. Uh, a hillbilly yep. and a Brit yep. and an awesome lady as well. So, you know, you, you got Brett Lonsdale uh, from Lightning Tools and you got Mark Rackley and Steph Donahue from Pate Group as your co-hosts on that. So they're all fantastic people, have great opinions. I listen to the show, so definitely go out and subscribe to that. Fantastic. Well, I guess that's it. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Take it easy, boys. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to the Bifocal Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or via your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Twitter at Bifocal Show. The show notes for this and all of the Bifocal podcasts can be found on the Bifocal.show blog. The music for the Bifocal podcast is Indie Rock by Scott Holmes and is shared under Creative Commons.